the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar. We are ready to go. Thank you for joining us tonight here on the Bible Live program. Jacob's getting his mic set up. We're all tuned in, and I hope you're ready to join us. Our phone number is 210-340-9585. That's our phone number. If you'd like to be a part of the program the next 90 minutes, all things things, um, biblical, right? We're, We're making our way through the Bible starting the 1st of November. We started in the book of Genesis, and now we're into, we've gone into, uh, I guess last week we made the transition into the book of Exodus. And did I give you your your uh, notes for next week? I did no, not. No, you did didn't. I? Okay. So let me do that real quick. Uh, we're going to focus ladies tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, he's now passing me his questions for next week. <laughs> Picture that he in your the mind. We are studying, we're looking tonight at the passages from Exodus chapter 6 through Exodus 25. Now, last week 25? we got into, yes, we're... Is there 25 chapters in Exodus? Oh, there are. Yes, indeed. Right. Uh, we, we, just to let you know generally where we are in the book of Exodus, that remember now the, we, we started out in Genesis, we moved uh, Genesis chapters 1 through 11, you see God dealing with the whole world population, starting with Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and so on, as the as the human race multiplied and uh, expanded, we talked about God dealing with them, uh, and uh, essentially the 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 um, 
humanity, the population, divided into two different branches. Those who recognized, acknowledged God, desired God, wanted God, loved God, wanted to honor God, serve God, and those that did not, those that... uh, that uh, either ignored or rejected God or created their own gods, uh, rejecting the true and living God and created their own. So we saw this this pattern set up, and then God stabilized it in um, chapter 11 with the Tower of Babel. God confuses languages, and he breaks the human race up into these competing uh, people groups, uh, ethnos, they call them, I guess, in Greek, um, speaking different languages. That's where the languages were confused, and they were spread out over all of the earth. And then we see the shift from emphasizing on the whole of the world. God begins to focus in on a, a man you know, and his wife. You know, we didn't discuss that, but why did he make the languages different? So he would divide them. My, I don't know what you're going to say, but I would say he was dividing them up into separate people groups. That's he wanted but, them to why them. why did he choose to do that? So that they the sin nature that was now resident in the human race would be mitigated, would be Oh soapy. Oh, <laughs> soapy! You did so well. Oh yeah, he's he's manipulating me, folks. I'm his little. <laughs> ah, actually, that's actually no, right. Great. That's right. actually what it's suggesting is he said this. There's going to be one government. Everybody's going to be so corrupt. He said, "I'm going to make him speak different languages." Exactly mm-hmm. what that. How, that's perfect. What you said. Well, that's that's. It looked to me like pretty obvious because after Adam and Eve and after Noah, in both cases, he told them spread out, spread out, spread out, multiplied, spread out over all the earth, and they would not do it. In the second one, in chapter eleven, Jacob, you made me see that. That was intentional. When we, you, if you read that, folks, in Genesis eleven, they intentionally said we shouldn't spread out. Let's not let's not spread out here because uh, we'll be our, you know, for the very reason we mentioned that the, in their rebellion uh, against God, and then they built those towers, you know, the Tower of Babel and so on. I had never thought of this, but the, it says trying to build a tower that reaches into the heavens. And and all of a sudden it occurred to me, I think you were the first to ever mention it to me, that they didn't want to get flooded again. (laughs) If God sends another flood, we'll go up this tower this time. So it was really open rebellion. But then, okay, God settles it. He spreads them out. They're in competing people groups now. They won't walk lockstep into judgment, into condemnation again. Uh, now they'll fight against among themselves, one people battling against another, but the whole race would not now walk lockstep into um, into destruction and judgment, which is a very interesting thing about good and evil. Uh, I'm, I, and I can't don't know if I can remember the quote, but C.S. Lewis speaks to this about the fact that I don't know how I can say it. If I, I can't quote it exactly, but. Uh, the idea is that there's one way to be good, but there's a thousand ways, infinite number of ways to be evil. In other words, when you have w- wickedness, uh, the 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 problem with wickedness is if it ever gets unified, uh, then it that it, it it's so powerful. But but of course, in heaven there's one God. There's in hell there'll be every man will think of himself as a god you know that he's that's the that's the idea of it in some ways but anyway chapter 12 then we fix in on abraham abram and sarai this two this couple we meet 
Um, Jacob could tell you more about them than I can in terms of their relationships uh, to each other. It was his half-sister, if I remember correctly, something like that, right? Something like that. Uh, and and uh, they left their home in the uh, Ur of the Chaldeans, and God called him out to leave his home and family and to go to a land that I will show you. I will give you this land to your uh, descendants and so on. And we, we began now working. Now, now he starts working with an individual, and we begin to learn how God deals with individuals, how God's dealings with his people. We learn principles that he gives to us about how we should live, how we should treat each other, others around us, how we should worship the true and living God. Uh, it's very interesting as you start following now individual, family, marriage, children, uh, and so on. Uh, we've gotten through that. And then remember Joseph uh, Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob. He has 12, uh, 10 sons, and then they go uh, down into Egypt. Joseph is sold um, into slavery. Potiphar goes tells dreams for the Pharaoh and so on. And then they're welcomed into the, the rest of the family is welcomed down into Egypt as welcomed, honored guests of the Pharaoh. Uh, once Joseph has risen to second in command over all of the uh, all of the empire, all of the land, and then they come these plagues, uh, the land uh, we've now this, we've gone through all of this, but then the family, Jacob and all the, the uh, children, moved down to Egypt. They're honored guests, and then they become uh, there arose a Pharaoh that did not know Joseph, and they come into four hundred years of slavery to the Egyptian pharaoh, to the people there. And they were the building the pharaoh, uh, the empire, pharaoh, the Egyptian empire, was a, very much a building into building, you know, the uh, the pyramids that we know about and these cities that they would build and so on. Uh, and so they used the children of Israel and other nations and people groups as well. They were capturing them, bringing and making them work for them. And then Moses is raised up, this very special redeemer, a Messiah, uh, a, a redeemer, savior who is raised up. Uh, you know the story of his family put him in a basket out on the Nile rivers to save his life so they wouldn't have to kill him. He was a basket case from the beginning. <laughs> a basket case, yes. And uh, Pharaoh's daughter finds him and they adopt him into the royal family. He is educated the first 40 years of his life in the palace of Pharaoh. The next 40 years, he flees out into the desert, uh, what is it called, Midian, right, The uh, that area. And for 40 years, he, he marries, he has children, uh, and he follows after God. And he he's a shepherd, keeps uh, herds of sheep out in uh, the, uh, penin- the Sinai Peninsula. And he knows well the mountain of God, Horeb, Horeb, it's called. Is that right? And which we know now as Mount Sinai. And he is there one day, and God speaks to him from a burning burning bush. And this begins this forty, the last forty years of his life. Now he's going to go to uh, Egypt, and he's going to demand that Pharaoh release the the uh, people of Israel and all of these people who will come with them out of Israel, Egypt with them who have uh, people who have in some measure they identified with the people of Israel they at some level of understanding and commitment to the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob um, now they're all in process right Jacob and when they come out of Israel when they come out of Egypt um 
I'm guessing the people of Israel, all of them were born in captivity, the people that came out. All the ones that are coming out were born as slaves. There, and so uh, if they knew anything, if they knew anything about Jehovah, if they knew anything about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it, it had to be passed on to them by their parents and their society. In other words, they maintained it at oh. least mm-hmm. at some level. Of understanding. At some level, yeah. They understood uh, something of a covenant, of that they were a people. Uh, well, they understood at some level. Yeah. Because remember, Moses said to God on the mountain, he said, hey, if I go back, they're going to ask me what your name is. Yeah. And so he had to have something to tell them, and they seemed to have accepted uh, whatever the name was, and they seemed to have demonst- accepted the demonstration. So they had some residue of information. Yeah, something had survived over the centuries that they were right. down there. Pretty much like today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> interesting, interesting. But then they came out. And now we're, we're talking about that. We, the last thing I believe we talked about were the plagues, right? These ten, ten well, we plagues. That God, yeah. Is that where we started? Yeah, actually, uh, we're coming up. Picking up a cha- okay, we're coming up on the uh, plagues. Uh-huh. We're starting tonight at chapter 6, and we see that uh, God tells Moses to go back and talk to Pharaoh and demand that he let his people go. And we have this... Uh, somewhat confusing passage to a lot of believers. And I, folks, I want you to listen tonight because we've got to get this straight. We've got to get it straight. You've got to understand the tonight. We have a chance to really understand clearly the relationship between two important biblical truths. One is God's absolute sovereignty as God, he is God. Uh, every, he is in control of everything in every place and everywhere in every way. It, it, and you cannot compromise that. He hadn't given away any of his sovereignty. He hadn't given it away, and he exercises it in our world today. But within the context of his sovereignty, he has created options. He has created different possibilities so that individual human beings, we do have free will. It's not absolute free will to do anything we want, anytime we want, any way we want. Uh, no, that's not that. Uh, that would infringe on God's sovereignty. But we have free will within the context of the options, the possibilities that God in His sovereignty has given us. So we'll see that at work tonight a little bit. And Jacob's going to point out some some um, literary aspects of this because it says in our passage that God hardens Pharaoh's heart. As he comes, brings about these ten plagues, uh, and I let me see. Let's just list them real quickly: the plague of uh, blood, the, uh, the fish die, the rivers, the Nile River smells, the people are without water, and so on. Uh, there's a plague of blood. There's a plague of frogs. Then the plague of gnats, flies. The livestock are struck. All the livestock die, while none of the Israel's livestock are even sick. There's a, a horrible a break, outbreak of boils on everyone in Egypt. There's hail. Now, in each case, the only ones delivered from these different plagues were those who put the mark, the blood uh, of a... No, that was the last no, one. That's, the last one, yeah. that's the last one, yeah. Uh, and each of these plagues were announced, and, and people, they did have to stay in their houses, right? No, the, the ones that were exempted were the Jews. Just 
totally in, in the first place. That's right. As we, all Jews were exempted. Even, deep but we then they have to the stay in their house itself, or anything? But the literature itself says that God distinguished between okay. the Egyptians and the Jews. But only the last, the tenth plague, after the boils and the hail and the locusts and the darkness, then the death of the firstborn child. Firstborn was, uh, was where they put the blood over the doorframe. And that's where they had to stay in the house. They had to stay for out. for that night, and the firstborn of all Which the people in, and all the cattle Passover. Even. Yes, the people and cattle of Egypt die, but Israel is spared. And this is where we get the idea of the Passover. The angel of death passes over the land. And uh, the firstborn is taken of every, which which has a lot of implications as well. This idea of the firstborn is spared, and it comes to have an effect later, right? Aren't the firstborn, in a sense, isn't um, doesn't God in, in in some way in that related to God's calling of Moses and Aaron and the Levites? They kind of take the place of the firstborn. Isn't there some passage that well, talks that about comes that later? Later, yeah. but it's related to that idea that God has. Spared the firstborn of, of Israel. So there you have the plagues. Maybe you can talk to us a little bit about the what chapter is it where it talks about God hardens Pharaoh's well, before we do heart. that, uh-huh. I, I'd like to go back just just briefly one sentence. Mm-hmm. Oh, what are you doing there? I'm uh, moving that mic close uh, to you. Okay, one sentence. Uh, if you if you look in chapter four, I know this is chapter back, four. but I'm going to do one sentence. All right. This is the beginning. I thought Genesis 1-1 was the beginning. Uh, This is the beginning of what's going to happen with the plagues. Okay. Look at chapter 4. Verse. And look at verse uh, 21. All right. I'm getting there. Takes me a little. Okay, there it is. And 21-22. And the Lord told Moses, when you arrive back in Egypt. So Moses is still out there. This is when he's uh, the, 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 the burning bush, right? And so on. The Lord told Moses, when you arrive back in Egypt, go to Pharaoh and perform all the miracles I have empowered you to do, but I will harden his heart so he will refuse to let the people go. Your version says harden, doesn't it? Uh Today I looked in at least 10 different Christian versions. Uh Some of them say harden, which does capture the idea. Okay? Uh Uh-huh, okay. But it actually... Is the harden in the sense of like lifting weights and getting strong? Okay. And the other several of the other versions harden the muscles. The Christian yeah, word, the, the idea, uh, Christian huh? versions, and the Hebrew version <laughs> says strengthen. So it's not the idea of giving him, making him stubborn. Now I'm I'm aware, and we were discussing before the show that there's a certain doctrine that's talked about that God took away Pharaoh's free will and made him stubborn, mm-hmm. but. That's I don't think that's what was intended. No. Uh, at least half the Christian versions I looked at used the word instead of hardened. But hardened is a fine word if we understand that hardened is like when I lift a bunch of weights with my arm, my muscle gets hard. So I'm strengthening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and, and this is what I'm saying is that when we, uh, we need – this is a great opportunity, folks, to understand – this balance, the interfacing, the interrelationship between God's sovereignty and man's free will. Um, Pharaoh had a choice. He made a choice. But in his pride and his arrogance, he was rejecting God. And all God was doing then was everything, these plagues and, and God's challenge and let my people go. In, fa- in effect, they were simply, uh, he was triggering the hardening of this arrogant, prideful, 
uh, Pharaoh of his own will, but but God was triggering it. He was he was calling forth a response of of hardness of his heart. It's an interesting so thing. So you you agree then that God was not subduing Pharaoh's free will? Well, no. Because if he subdued his free will, here's our dilemma: if God uh, subdued his free will and then punished him for it, we have a very strange God on our hands. Mm-hmm. You agreed? I agree, and I think it's inconsistent. It just doesn't hold the logic of of God calling people to follow Him and a free God's man's free will is clear. Now, uh, obviously, the the more we rebel against God, we to at some level you are actually reducing your free will, and you are. To, to a point when people become so animalistic in their behavior and rejection of God, they they themselves reduce themselves to slavery to their to their desires, slavery to their passions, slavery to their sin and their rebellion. Uh, but it's not God who has done it. They themselves have hardened. Uh, they hardened their hearts as well. But when God reveals Himself to people, He always calls forth a response. If he, uh, that's that's what we're told in the book of Isaiah about God's word. God's word is like the rain that falls on the land. It calls forth a response. It calls whatever's in the ground is going to come up. If it's weeds, it's going to be weeds. If it's well, plants and flowers, I'm going to first. For, uh, let me do a little preamble, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. I may. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you don't mind me taking one minute, you took. Oh, sure. you go ahead. I, I I didn't want to really myself get that deep That's in the okay. in the That's in the okay. weeds, we, but this we, is a great passage. We actually passage. got four minutes left of the first half. Hour. It's your it's your passage. Uh, yeah. here's, uh, so here's here's what I wanted to say was, uh, first of all, there are ten statements of creation in Genesis. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay. Okay. So, each one of the plagues, there's a way. Each one of those plagues undo each step of creation. Ah, the most obvious and easiest one is the last one. Remember in creation in Genesis, the last thing made was man. Okay. Uh-huh. The last plague kills the firstborn of each uh-huh. So uh-huh. it's undoing it. So each plague undoes it. Now, what's fascinating, would you be so kind to look with me at chapter 6 and verse 6? Mm-hmm. Do you happen to have... Oh, you don't want me to say that. I was going to say, do you have a Bible, but I'm not. Yes, that's all right. I don't mind. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression, and I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression okay, in Egypt. So you went on beyond six. Uh huh. I, I did. Want to stop at the word great judgment. Okay. You see the word great judgment? Great acts of judgment. Okay. That is the beginning of undoing the, the ten steps of creation, the ten utterances they're called. Uh huh. All right. So now what's fascinating, he's going, to do, he's going to do this with great judgments. In other words, everything that Egypt was doing was going to be a judgment, and, and they have undone the acts of creation. Later oh, on, interesting. When, and so what happens is, now if you would be so kind. Now who made that 
correlation between each of these ten plagues and the, these ten statements. That's wow. something that's kind of unknown to us as uh, uh, Christian believers. I, I don't, I don't we... know, but I know it's very, very old. I didn't know about these ten utterances. I thought there well, were six the, days of creation. He said, let there be light. Yes, but it says the very first one is in the beginning. That's number one. Uh-huh. That's the first act of creation. In beginning creation. And then it says, and then God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. Okay, I see. And if you count those, you come up with ten. Okay, I get it. Now, those relate to the ten plagues. The obvious one, Hmm. the obvious one is, like I say, number ten, the last thing created in Genesis Mm -hmm. was man, and what the last thing happens is death of the firstborn. That, you can see the undoing, right? Right. I see it. Okay, so, now... Uh, and then uh, see where. And if you'd be, if you look at uh, verse uh, six twenty-one. Yes, it says. Oh, six twenty-one. I was going to seven. Twenty-one says the sons of Isar were Korah, Nepheg, and Zikri. Uh huh. That's it. Yes. That doesn't sound very exciting. That doesn't. Intriguing. That doesn't sound exciting That's not, at all. No. So as but and then it goes on, it starts continuing, but then it's laying out who these some of these people are. It come, becomes very important later okay. on. Okay, I story. see, I see. Now, if you would be so kind, if you would look at verse chapter seven, verse three. Oh, we're talking about the ancestors of Aaron and Moses. Yeah. Okay, chapter seven, verse uh-huh. three says, "Come on, verse three. Where are you?" But I will make Pharaoh's heart stubborn. Uh-huh. Is that that hardening you're talking yes, about? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I can multiply my miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Uh-huh. Now, it says, I will make his heart stubborn. Now, stubborn is one of the translations. I'm going to suggest that the better word is hardened, meaning mm-hmm, strong, mm-hmm, or strengthened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, so what's happening is, and I just want to finish up my other thought. So there are ten creation steps in Genesis where God said, God said he created the world. Mm-hmm. The ten plagues undo them. Now, you're going to find this fascinating. We'll get to it later on, perhaps next week. But then when you build the, build the tabernacle in the wilderness, there are basically ten portions to it. Okay. And then what do we get? We get ten commandments. Ah. So the Ten Commandments match up with the Ten Statements of Creation of God. And the God. Ten Plagues are related to those the, as well. The plagues undo it, but the people have to reestablish creation from Genesis with the Ten Commandments. Now, each of these commandments were in some, these plagues, I'm sorry, were in some way related, I've heard. Uh, I'm not absolutely yeah, sure if this right, is a yeah. Jewish perspective, but each plague being related in some way to some false deity or false god uh, an egyptian in god. the egyptian yeah. world okay yeah, that's right yes is that right yes okay that's what i understand well that's interesting right? that's interesting certainly it is well there's our music there's music i can't hear you anything. finished up right on time I, and i'm totally dead so i'm going by listen watching you I you can hear it now no i hear nothing you're kidding john my partner here is going deaf i hear that music do you of course you I, do. I hear nothing. I just can watch you and react to you. Oh, okay. well, we got to take him out of here right now. Our first time, you, you, you can give us a call if you'd like. You can give us a call if you'd like. 210 340 9585. Glad to have you on board with us. If you have a. Uh, 
question, if you have an observation, some some idea that you want to bring forth, as we particularly as we look at the book of Exodus, the plagues, and the delivery of Egypt, we'll be right back. ...has taken care of the dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to Thee. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Holy, holy, merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed dream. All right, we are back. Thank you for joining us tonight on The Bible Live broadcast. We are in the book of Exodus, and we're just kind of getting into the plagues. Jacob is giving us some uh, additional information about these plagues that God used uh, to liberate, to free the people of Israel and other people groups. I keep throwing that in there because it's it's relevant and it's important. We realize that well, other we people came people out of Egypt. Groups, we can say other people. Other people, okay. Uh, other nationalities, I guess, is what I'm talking if about. If you like nationalities. But, but they become a, one people at the base of Mount Sinai, right? Is that the idea? That is correct. I'm getting all this from what I've learned from you. So uh, That is correct. But right. I do want to point out something. Okay. Um, what I want to point out is this. Um, is in the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. what occurs in uh, chapter 20 of Exodus, yeah, now, you, and I assume everybody knows this, the Jews, the Catholics, and the Protestants all agree there are ten. However, they number them differently. So, uh, the Jews, it doesn't sound like a commandment, a commandment mm-hmm. but you'll see why it becomes relevant. Mm-hmm. The Jews begin, I am the... I am God that brought you out of the house that of bondage. That brought you out of... Mm-hmm. out now, of we're bondage. in Luke, Exodus 22. Out, out is bondage. That, Exodus 20, is that where you, you are? Well, I'm, you don't have to look at it. I'm just okay. I'm tying it up to something what I'm going to talk about next. Okay, all right. So what happens is, the reason is, that's important is, is that's the first commandment in the Ten Commandments for the mm-hmm. Jews. That's I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt. Uh, out of the house of bondage, slavery. Mm-hmm. So... The fact that he existed wasn't that big of a deal to them. The fact that Jesus existed for the Christians is not that big of a deal. If he doesn't do something for you, what difference does it matter? So if Moses showed up in Egypt and Mm -hmm. said, Hey, you know, by the way, God created the whole world. And they're going to say, So he's responsible for making us slaves? You see the hazard? So... The first commandment for the Jews is, I brought you out. I don't, I exist. I create everything. But more than that, I did something for you. For the Christians, Jesus did something for them. So that's an interesting, uh, I, I like that concept. And I can, I'm seeing it for the first time that it, it wasn't sin. The people of it, uh, Jacob and his children 
when they went down into Egypt, it was not intentional rebellion and, and sin against God, was it? I mean, they went down. It's so interesting you bring that up. I was going to get to my next point, but we'll go to that one mm-hmm. now. It's the same words in comparison to Noah and the flood. Now, if you picture in contrast those two stories, mm-hmm. Noah and the flood, the people were voluntarily choosing to be more like animals. Mm-hmm. But in Jacob's story, as you're talking about, they didn't have free will choice. They were subjected to and forced to live that way. So the no, wait a minute. Let me talk. You, people of Israel, Jacob, they were forced to go into Egypt. Well, yeah, because they were forced to become slaves. Oh, now that that I'm not talking about becoming slaves. I am. I'm talking about going into Egypt. No, they well, the, they went down there because of the plague. Yeah, there was a uh, uh, famine. Famine. And so they went, but and the it wasn't is, it wasn't wrong for them to do so, right? No, of course not. Okay. But the difference is, is that you have this comparison between Noah and the people who were choosing to do it. Mm-hmm. And then the people who went down there because of a famine, but then they were enslaved and forced. So the difference is some was forced, sure. some voluntarily chose. So that's your contrast. But how we know that is because some of the same words appear in the Hebrew. So we know we're supposed to tie those together and say, oh, I get it. It's your choice if you do it. If other people force you, you're not responsible. Not as much, anyway. Mm, that doesn't calculate for my Christian brain. That's great. That's okay. Let's just go on. Uh, well, I, I want to, from the Christian, uh, Christians really, well, if really. if I put a gun to your head and I made you to say there's no God, and and you did it to save your wife and children, do you think God would hold you responsible for that? No, I, and that's not what I'm I'm talking about at all. We look at the people of Israel into captivity in Egypt uh, as it was not it was not their fault. In other words, it wasn't a sin for them to go down there, and they were enslaved. That was that was their state. That was the state of their existence, and we liking that we liken that to us as human beings. We also are in. A fallen state. We are in sin. Uh, that that's the state of our existence. That we are enslaved to sin, to our passions, to our pride, but to our you arrogance. You have a choice. Our, no, every human being sins. There's not a human being no, no, on planet no, no. Earth. You're misunderstanding. You have. A well, you're choice. misunderstanding because I'm right. saying that all I'm saying is the way we kind of have learned to look at it is that we too are in bondage to sin. Uh, and every human being sins everywhere on planet Earth. I've never met a, a human being yet that wouldn't say, "Yeah, I do wrong things." Yeah, but I'm going to talk about you're not forced to worship an idol. Mm, I'm not saying that either. That's, I'm but just that's saying that's what I'm referring to. I'm just saying that we are in a state of sin, and we see the the when when Moses is called by God to go in, and God liberates them through Moses. God uses him to take them out of bondage. We see that as a picture of God's redemptive plan, his salvation, in that we too have been taken out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the kingdom of sin and bondage to sin. Now we have been set free from the guilt and the penalty of sin. And as God works in us, we're being set free from the power of sin. uh, And someday in heaven, we'll be set free from the very presence of sin. Well, let me strengthen your example. It's kind of in line with what you're, but it's kind of a little bit of a different angle. I'm going to strengthen your example. That is not where I was going, but I will will strengthen your example. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Egypt in Hebrew is the word Mitzrayim. Mm -hmm. 
It means boundaries or limitations. Boundaries or limitations of what? Of sin. Good. So when the Jews and these other people who traveled with them are taken out of the boundaries of sin, Mitzrayim, out of sin, now they have free will. Now they don't have to worship an idol. Now they're set free. Yeah, exactly right. They're not in bondage to slavery and sin. And I I follow 100% what you're saying. But I'm saying that there's a difference between people that were choosing to be bad people and people that had no free choice. Exactly. I got it. So, at any rate, and we know that because some of the comparison. But at any rate, so what I want to talk about is if you'll go back and you look at uh, what I said we talked about, um, if you look at 7.3. We'll oh, be, chapter 7? Yeah, chapter 7. Boy, you keep going back backwards no, instead of forwards. No, you just keep going forward without finishing what we're on. <laughs> okay, chapter 7, verse 3. And it says, I will strengthen or harden Pharaoh's heart. This is before the plagues, right? This is, uh, yes. Before the plagues. Yes. Yeah, Aaron's staff becomes a serpent in this chapter. This is when uh, Moses first goes to Pharaoh and and an interesting thing about Moses, he says, I can't, I'm not a good speaker. I can't talk, you know, when God calls him to go do this. So some people have postulated or, or theorized that Moses had a lisp or some kind of a speech impediment. But I don't know. Is, is there any talk of that in the well, Jewish world? Some, yeah, there's something about that. Okay. Well, anyway, Aaron, his younger brother, is given to but him. the snake hasn't happened yet. Now, okay. Well, this is the first time I'm talking about it. He says, God is saying, I will strengthen or harden Pharaoh's heart and... Uh, Mm-hmm. I will multiply the signs and my wonders. Okay. Signs are a good thing. There it is. Mm-hmm. Wonders are a bad thing. Signs are a good thing, like for his people, for, for Israel. For the people he's helped. And wonders, wonders are, are the Egyptians. Was for the Egyptians, to okay. okay. So, in the land of Egypt. Now, so we've got that. Then what you're talking about is, and starting in verse 8, if you want to read that, you could. You know. Well, another thing, too, just in, quickly, I just noticed this. When I raise my powerful hand, God says, and bring out the Israelites, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So there's a, another dynamic here. It's not just God dealing with this one guy, the Pharaoh, this mean, stubborn, arrogant, prideful Pharaoh. But God is working not only with that Pharaoh, through him and with him, uh, and, and using him in a way to accomplish his own objectives, but He's also revealing himself to the people of, e- now, wait, of, let's slow of that Egypt, down a right? Moment. I was with you till your last sentence. Uh, Pharaoh and his servants are a ruling class. Okay. The people of Egypt are subject to it just as the Jews are. Exactly. So the two people that were set free from this situation mm-hmm. was the Jews and the people. The Israelites who came out of Egypt. Okay, but and the Egyptians were also set free. Because they know... Cause the ones they, that stayed in Egypt. The, the Egyptians. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the Egyptian people were different than the government. That's what I was trying to see here. There's it's actually a, a twofold purpose here. He's bringing out the people of Israel, but also God is revealing himself to the people of Egypt, the Egyptian people. Uh, and so you said in, in verse what now? Well, when the, you read verse eight, seven, eight, 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 8 and 9, you'll see the snake you're referring to. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Pharaoh would demand, show me a miracle. When he does this, say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down in front of Pharaoh, and it will become a serpent. Okay. Now, he does that, and we know that uh, the necromancers, the mm-hmm. court magicians, mm-hmm. 
they were able to seemingly duplicate that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what happened to their to their snakes, right? It got eaten by the snake, right. by Aaron's staff or snake. Aaron's staff swallowed their staff. Their okay, snakes. uh-huh. But look at verse 13. My, 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 my snake can eat your snake. Pharaoh's heart, however, remained hard. He uh-huh. still refused to listen, just as the Lord had predicted. Now, you see, so far, Harold's heart is strong. Yeah. He, so, doesn't, he doesn't need God to help him because he's rebellious. He's strong. God, by his action, triggered this hardness, but God is not responsible. Pharaoh is still responsible for his own hardness of heart. At this point. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and then, uh, and now, I want, I want you to show, if you can, there's a joke here. You want to see the joke? Now, sure. Okay. Is this about Joseph and Tennis? And no, I don't know. No. He served in Pharaoh's no, court? No, 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 no. I mean, that was... Verse 14. Uh, okay, verse 14. God said to Moses... <laughs> Stop my joke. Pharaoh's heart is strong or stubborn. Uh-huh. He has refused to send the people. So, uh, 15. So, go to Pharaoh in the morning. Behold, he goes out to the water. I remember. Why that. is he going out to the water? Uh, I know. Why? To relieve himself. Yes, and you know Why? Because he always would go up waist high or chest mm-hmm. high to go to the restroom in the morning. Mm-hmm. Because gods don't go potty. <laughs> okay. So in the water, nobody could see it. Now, I see. Now, here's the catch. Here's and he the, claimed to be God, didn't he? Yes, he did. The Pharaoh. Yeah. So here's the catch. Now, he goes up, Pharaoh and Aaron go up to the bank of the river. Aaron's carrying his staff. Mm-hmm. Now, you're, you're, look, Pharaoh's standing out there maybe chest deep in the water, let's mm-hmm. say. Okay. And Pharaoh's standing, and there's Aaron with his staff, and he knows the staff turns into a snake. And he's saying, you know, you imagine what's going through Pharaoh's mind. And it says, and that's why he goes, Behold, he goes out to the water, and you shall stand opposite him on the river's bank. And the staff. And be was, sure to take along the staff. Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> and great. the staff. That was turned into a snake, you shall take in your hand, and you shall say to him, oh, God of the Hebrews says, send me out, send my people out. Now, so he's standing there, if you get the picture. I get it. This guy's getting the idea, whoa, what are whoa, we doing? Whoa, don't, whoa. Don't put yeah. your staff in the water, he's going to come that, bite me or something. Put that snake back in your pocket. There you go. Then so there's, a, there's a real a humor here. Yeah, on. there is. I hadn't seen that. I, I guess I could have. I have a little imagination there. God has sent me to tell you, let my people go so they can worship me in the wilderness. Until now, you have refused to listen. So this is where the first plague is announced. I will show you that I will strike the water of the Nile with this staff in my hand, and the river will turn to blood. The fish in it will die, and the river will stink. Egyptians will not be able to drink any water from the Nile. How many plagues? Uh, Ten. Okay. Now, could God not do this with one plague? Why did he want to? I don't know. I suppose God could do anything he wanted. Well, Well, as you said, it's relating to the ten uh, pronouncements of creation. It's related to these gods of Egypt that he's... He does, but it's -hmm. it's an act of attrition. And it's each each step along the way, people had, these rulers of Egypt, had the opportunity to correct their conduct. So God was being long-suffering, merciful, if you like. Now he says, so, and then he said, now, I want to tell you, why is the first plague about blood? 
the very first plague he turns, as you know, and you're talking about, he turns the the river, the Nile, which is a god, by the way. Mm-hmm. He turns it to blood. I believe it has something to do with the children of Israel who were killed. He had been killing all of the babies. Picture this. You're 100% right. And throwing them into the river, well, I suppose, right? There's a lot of crocodiles, so we know they were eating well. Mm-hmm. So what happened is they cover by throwing them into the Nile, into the river. The next morning, the river's placid. It's smooth. Their horrible sin is totally covered up. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that's exposed is exposing the blood they're responsible for, mm-hmm. killing the babies. That always makes me think about abortion. I tell you, we think we're getting away. We think we're getting away with the killing of these millions of babies for our convenience, and it's not going to happen. I I just know there is going to be a, a, de- a dealing. I'm sorry. I don't mean to get off into that unnecessarily. That's one thing I wanted to mention tonight. It was on my heart anyway that, you know, we, we often we, – we're really focused on the Scriptures. We're, we're focused on the Bible with the principle of, of God's Word, what He is saying, what He has revealed. And we don't too very much – get into politics and we don't get necessarily so much into the cultural but it's always there it's always there the same god that is here in egypt well, if we get enough time alive would you like to see a verse that well addresses today. what you're concerned about uh, yeah okay but i want to get through okay. this plague stuff then we'll come to what you're concerned oh, about let's get through this verse. plague stuff there is a verse okay that addresses what you're concerned all right about. okay mm-hmm. all right now so what happens is that is in, uh, uh, where am I at? Seven you just did the blood thing, and it was because of the, uh, remember, they had okay. killed all of those babies of those Egyptians, so now, thrown the, them into the Nile. The picture is mm-hmm. the next morning their sin is totally covered up. Right. The only people that were suffering from that sin were the Jews that lost their babies. Mm-hmm. So, and now the blood has been exposed. In other words, you should like this. Their sin is now exposed. Right, yeah. So, right, wow. and and the and the magicians were again able to duplicate this miracle, yes, as well as the snake one. Uh, are you going to go through them one by one, or because no, no, I want to mention that they were also able to duplicate the miracle of the frogs, uh, but they were unable to duplicate the dust, the swarms of gnats. Um, it, 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 what we what occurred to me one time is that even when the magicians were able to duplicate the miracle, (laughs) what occurred to me was that, so what? All they were doing was increasing their suffering. I mean, they were able to make more blood from the river. If they could really do magic, they would have undone. Undone the frogs. But now they could also create frogs. Big deal. Uh, it, it occurred. I don't know how many years I've been reading that passage when it finally occurred to me that that didn't prove anything. God just let them add more frogs to the frogs, okay, you know. But before, now in the first, uh, uh-huh. uh, the, the, there's actually, before the tenth plague, okay. the death of the firstborn. By the mm-hmm. way, the firstborn in Egypt were not a bunch of babies. They were the generals and the colonels because by birth they held the high-ranking <laughs> officers. So I see. see. Mm-hmm. So now. In chapter, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit just for the sake of time. Mm-hmm. Look in chapter 8. I want you to read verse 11, if you would. I will. 
Do it tomorrow. All right, Moses said, I will do, do it. Mercy then you will know that there is no one like God. The frogs will leave you and your houses, your officials, and your people, and they will oh, remain. Are you, are you in chapter 8? Chapter 8, eight verse 11. Well, yours is obviously numbered differently. Uh, okay. What do you want me to read that Well, part? I'll read it. Okay. Pharaoh saw there had been a relief. So the, after the one plague, it stopped, you know. And then he said, now it says, and he kept making his heart stubborn. He did not heed them as God had spoken. Now, so in 11. That's verse 15, yeah. Well, yours is numbered that, that different. But when oh. Pharaoh saw that relief had come, he became stubborn. Okay, he kept, well, the, yeah, he became stubborn. Actually, he kept making his heart stubborn. So he's in control of his own heart mm-hmm, at this mm-hmm, point, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you go down again to verse uh, 15, well, 15, it must be 19 in yours. He refused to listen to Moses and Aaron just as the Lord had predicted. Verse 19? I don't know. I have your numbers. This is the finger of God? Uh, yes. Is that verse? Uh, yes. Okay, 19. This is the finger of God, the magicians exclaimed to Pharaoh. But Pharaoh's heart remained hard. He wouldn't listen to them okay. just as the Lord had predicted. Okay, so Pharaoh was still in control of his own heart, his strength, mm-hmm. his mm-hmm. courage, whatever you want to call it. Okay? Yes, right. All right. Now, I would like you to, if it's staying in chapter 8, look at verse 28. Now, I'm hoping uh, yours may be, what, 32, I guess, something like that. I will let you go into the wilderness to offer sacrifices? No, no, no. It says, but Pharaoh made his heart stubborn. Must be, look at 32. Do you have a 32 or something? Okay. But Pharaoh again became stubborn and refused to let the people go. Okay. After he had said he was going to let them okay, go, right? Here is how I, I read the uh, 28, 8, 28. But Pharaoh made his heart stubborn, even this time. And he did not send out the people. So even this time is the what you might say the magic words. Yeah, Pharaoh, uh, he, asked, he wants Moses to pray for him, Moses and Aaron. I'm looking earlier in the book. He says uh, in the chapter, a, a Moses called for a Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron. Go ahead and offer your sacrifices to God. He said, but do it here in this land. But Moses said, no, that wouldn't be right. The Egyptians detest the sacrifice that we offer to the Lord our God. We will offer our sacrifices where the Egyptians can see that they will stone us. We must make a trip out just to God. All right, Pharaoh says, I will let you go to the wilderness to offer your sacrifices to your God. But don't go too far away. Now hurry and pray for me. I just noticed that. Okay, now, in verse... Oh, pray for me, meaning he wanted him to relieve them of the uh, flies, the the swarms of flies, yeah. So now, in verse... uh, Go to 9... Chapter 12. Now, mine is 9-12. Verse 12, I guess yours right? must be, I don't know what your number is. Well, read it, your, okay. your version. God strengthened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them. Now, so far we've had Pharaoh having a strong heart. Mm-hmm. But what's happening is, and as you pointed out, he says, pray for me or whatever, relieve me of the burden. The idea was that they were trying to express is that God was making Pharaoh a little worried, and he was getting scared. So when he was hardening or strengthening his heart, he was restoring his free will. He was not trying to create a situation where Pharaoh had no free will. He was making sure he had free will. He strengthened his heart, and he did not heed them. Because once his free will and his strength, his courage was restored, 
he still chose not to obey. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I now this is one. Now I would like to look at nine fourteen. We talked about this before the show. Now, if we read this real slowly and carefully, we're going to really catch something. You want me to read it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Nine fourteen. For this time, this is God talking. For this time, he's talking to Moses. For this time, I will send all my plagues against your heart. Now, I guess your version has something very similar to that, doesn't it? I spared you the purpose to show my power, spread my fame throughout the earth, but you still lorded over my people and refused to let them go. So tomorrow at this time, I will send a hailstorm more devastating. I well, we looked see. at it before the show, and you located it. But at any rate, so the version I've got the numbered as, it's this time I'll just send my, send my plagues against your heart. Look at that phrase, against your heart. What's that meaning? He's losing his courage. He's losing his heart. I'm mm-hmm. sending it against your heart. Mm-hmm. I see. And, uh, and upon your servants and your people, that you will know there is none like me in the world. So mm-hmm. he's saying... Uh, maybe it's nine. Maybe is it nine eighteen? Perhaps in your version. What is, what verse is eighteen? Uh, well, I'm doing nine fourteen, but it says, "I will send my plagues against your heart and your and your servants' hearts." Mm, didn't say ever. I, I don't see anywhere where it says, "I will send no, more we plagues." Looked it up before the show, and you said, "I will send." Oh, oh, oh uh, verse fourteen. If you don't, I will send more plagues on you. And there's an asterisk on the nine at the bottom. It says. In Hebrew, it says, I will send more plagues on your heart. There. Now, so what we're doing is we're understanding the plagues are affecting the stubborn heart or the strength Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. the heart of courage Mm -hmm. of uh, Pharaoh. So it's going against the heart. That's why God is strengthening him so he can still make free will decisions. There's our music. We are through our second segment. Haven't yet made our way through all ten plagues, but we'll get on through them and move on through the chapter here through the book in the next segment, all right? Join with us if you'd like, 210-340-9585. If you'd like to comment, some thought you have about the plagues or about God's dealings with the people of Israel here in Egypt, we'd glad glad uh, to hear from you. So we'll be back in a moment. Don't go away. My thumb between the pages and my heart in the book Talking about the book of life When my life gets too confusing Well, I stop and take a second look 
I take another look in the book of life At times my heart grows downright faithless I slip into the quicksand of my sin That's when the word of God can cleanse my sinner's heart It frees me from them old desires that pop up now and then I keep my thumb between the pages and my You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Uh, that's what we're doing here, keeping our thumb between the pages. Uh, John, you tricked me on that one. I didn't, uh, that's that the old soapster playing my guitar and singing. That was one of the early theme songs of this program, the, the Bible Live. Well, let's get back to the scriptures. We've got one more segment, Jacob. And we were getting through the plagues. What happens is, you know, ultimately, finally, God, uh, is, uh, Pharaoh bends his stubborn heart, and he allows them to leave. And they go, what is that, three-day journey or something out it, it, they're called to do? And they escape. Uh, then Pharaoh sends his army after them, his chariots, and they escape through the Red Sea. Uh, you've seen the movie, folks, <laughs> the Ten Commandments. And then they escape across on dry land. Then the officers and the chariots of uh, Pharaoh's army are and, covered with water. And if I might and, real quickly add mm-hmm. the reason that it's important that Pharaoh's army, the firstborn, is basically the army, those are the commanders, uh-huh. they drowned in the sea. What they did to others was done to them. And so that judgment, if they, yeah. died, if they died from diabetes or something else, would mess the message <laughs> that what they did to others was done to them. Now, when they pass through, when, uh, the idea is that the motif is when the, they're called the children of Israel when they pass through the water because the Shekinah, the, I believe that's how you say mm-hmm. it in Christian, Christianese, the Shekinah, that's a female. The that's, glory of God. Uh-huh. That's okay. the mama. Uh-huh. So the children, and when a woman has a baby, the first thing that happens is the water breaks. Mm-hmm. The children come through. And on the other side... Then who drowns is all the bad guys that killed mm-hmm. all the Jewish mm-hmm. babies. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other side, the mom of the Shekinah, Gloria, as you said, she leads them across the desert to the Mount Sinai, okay. where God lays down the law. The daddy lays down the law. Mm-hmm. So they are delivered. They come out of uh, Egypt. Uh, the Egyptians pursue them. We'll go quickly here to get through the Ten Commandments. When that is given, they escape. And then Moses sings uh, chapter 15. Uh, Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. Uh, people have put that to music today. I don't know if you've ever heard it. I've heard uh, it from beautiful. the original. Yeah, yeah, uh, from Okay. This was, uh, I know, in churches I've heard it yeah. put to music. And the beautiful song, chapter 15. I understand it's... Uh, Kind of one of the first recorded songs, and not a studio recording, a but written down. Yeah. Uh, and then they drink this bitter water at Marah. The people are already, they've just been delivered. They've just been brought out of slavery. And all of a sudden, the people begin to complain and turn against Moses, we're told in chapter nine, uh, 15. What are we going to drink? They demand. Uh, and uh, it's always sad for me to see. How soon we as human beings well, start complaining? It's, it's, I must say this in all fairness. In some segments of Jews and in many segments of Christians, they're, oh, do- yeah. they're doing exactly the same thing that took place here. Traveling through the wilderness, the desert, but the mm-hmm. wilderness mm-hmm. is what it says. Mm-hmm. It's called the wilderness of sin. 
And what's going on is we're traveling through the wilderness of sin. So we're sort of learning our way as they were learning their way. Yeah, it's called uh, when we work with the young men and women out at the Air Force, they've come to make me say that we're going through basic training here as well in our life as God's people. We're supposed to be learning not to complain and not to uh, be stubborn and not to resist and to trust and obey the Lord. But uh, we see the people of Israel starting to learn these things. Chapter 16, God gives them quail and manna from heaven to eat. He provides food he, and so on. Until it comes out their nose. Until it comes out their nose, right? I'll give, you, I'll give you food if that's what you want. And then water is given. The first miracle here uh, we see the first time uh, uh, Moses is told to strike the rock, I believe. And water comes from the rock to deliver to them. Another occasion, he's not told to strike the rock, but speak to it, and he strikes it. And That's way later, later on. on, it's much later, we'll see that. So then we come to chapter 18. Uh, the people of Israel are camped here now beneath Mount Sinai, this morning, Horeb. When did it change its name from Horeb to Sinai? Do we... The word Sinai is the word sin. Okay. And the A-I that we mm-hmm. use is the first pronounceable syllable of God's name. So by putting his name on it, it's now the mountain of God. Okay. So Jethro, Moses' de- father-in-law, comes to visit him. And there's an interesting little detail there. He, uh, Instead of Moses judging all the disputes and all the problems that people had, he said, why don't you create... Some uh, underlings, people under, delegate some of this judgment uh, to other people. So he did, and I understand that that's chapter 18, uh, our Supreme Court, and then the uh, district courts and the, the um, appellate, appellate courts and all. It's kind of modeled a little bit after this uh, Genesis, Exodus chapter 18, our court system. I I, I, I can't go into detail, but... I'm just trying to hit some of these high points. Then God reveals himself at Mount Sinai to the a couple of million, what? A couple of million people? Two and a half. Two and a half million people coming out of Egypt. And God reveals himself now to uh, to and them. Moses the goes up on the mountain. between Christianity, Judaism, and all the rest of the religions. It's that every other religion, now the Jews and the Christians share the same Bible. Mm-hmm. At Mount Sinai, over 2 million people heard God speak. Right. You can't get that many people to lie. You can get one guy to be delusional or lie if he comes up with his own revelation and starts teaching people. And that's what happens with all the religions. It's one man. Interesting here, detail, yeah. Here is something where they all heard it. So God reveals himself. Uh, Moses goes up on the mountain. They get worried. He comes down, and he has these 10... Commandments. Now, this is isn't this a this is one of the high points of the Bible, right? This Would you call uh, not only the Passover and the bring the people out, but now God is going to start to begin to develop and form them into again a people with their own identity, with their own. Uh, in other words, they kind of lost their identity as God's people Abraham in Egypt. Abraham evidently had the commandments. Mm-hmm. We know that because it says so in Genesis. Okay. So, but it is. All this time in slavery Mm -hmm. or being in Egypt, the people lost some connection. So now it's being reissued to them. So here in chapter 20, there's a restoration, people coming again uh, to know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And remember always there's the presence of these other people. It wasn't just a 
Jewish thing in a sense. This is not an. It never has been a, an ethnic thing. It's about those who true who decide to follow after the true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So there are other people, nationalities among them. But here we have these Ten Commandments, uh, and as you say. Uh, the first commandment is, "I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt." That's the way well, the that's the way the, the Jews, Jews number the the commandments. Uh, Christians they divide. Let's see, uh, number ten, number nine, and ten to get ten. Yeah. Uh, the Catholics divide number four. Okay, so we divide number ten into yeah. two. Yeah, but the Jews count uh, the first one as being that. I see. Okay. Well, there they are, though. There, these great principles uh, that were. Now then, almost immediately after the giving of these Ten Commandments, uh, Moses even at that time begins to teach the people the significance of the Ten and give them kind of applications, expanding on those commandments to some extent, right? Uh, Proper use of altars, uh, fair treatment of slaves. It follows up immediately uh, in our passage. We see that God... Moses begins to teach the people. What chapter are you looking at? Um, just at chapter 20, immediately after the t- giving of the Ten Commandments. Uh, and then it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Say this to the people you saw for yourselves that I spoke to you from heaven. You must not make any idols of silver or gold to rival me. Build for me an altar made of earth. Offer your sacrifices to me. Your burnt. In other words, now he begins to give further commands. The idea is expanding on on the ten kind of application of the ten commandments. Is that true? Is that well, there's six hundred and thirteen commandments in the uh-huh. Torah, the first five books. Okay. Six thirteen. Six plus one is seven. Plus three is ten. Those six hundred and thirteen are actually embedded in these ten. That's why it's ten. That's what I meant. That he gives the ten, and almost immediately, then they begin to teach about. What right. these ten? Right. Some of the some of the other applications of these ten in the practical areas. The first one is the proper use of altars. It has to do with I am the Lord your God, the true and living God. You know the way we would worship God. And then it goes in the fair treatment. Of, it says here, uh, if you buy a, if you buy a Hebrew slave, he may serve for no more than six years. Set him free in the seventh year. Well, Chapter twenty one. Well, I think we need to address what that's about. Okay, go ahead. Uh, there's only two ways. In the Bible, that God allowed so-called slavery. One is you're a thief. Mm-hmm. Number two, I always say you're a baseball player. In other words, I sign a contract that I'll work for you for two years for a certain mm-hmm. amount of money, millions maybe. But that's the only two ways to be a slave. In fact, if you'll be in twenty-one sixteen, it tells you now the word steal in the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal means you shall not steal a man, no slaves. Kidnapping, in other words. Today, we translate that word kidnapping. Mm -hmm. But I'm afraid that messes the idea of... Man-stealers, something like that. The old King James said, you shall not steal a man. Mm -hmm. In other words, slaves. Mm -hmm. If you say kidnapping, we got a little different context for that. But if you want to see it explained, it's in 2116. This one says kidnappers, 2116. Okay, that's fine. Kidnappers must be put to death whether they are caught in possession of their victims or only have sold them as slaves. Okay, in other words. Or have already sold them. If you take a slave who was not a thief or did not sign a contract with him, but you capture him, you make him your slave, God said it's a death penalty. So slavery is not allowed by God. 
and it has never been allowed by God. You know, this is interesting, too, about one of the commands is you should honor your father and mother. I think that's an interesting one that confuses a lot of people. Why is that so important? Honor your father and mother, then you will live long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Well, actually, two things. Expand on that one for us. Two things. That's the one that carries with it a certain blessing, right? And it carries within it, I think, later on we see there's you're going, a... You're going backwards of the Ten Commandments. Right? I, I went back, but I'm saying later on it, it, it carries a promise. Yeah, you'll live long in the land. Long but later now. on but as that's well... Important. It, that's important. I know, but later on as well, it says if you dishonor, if you don't obey it, a dishonor's father and mother must be put to death. No. So, and, and see, that's one of those well, now, unfortunate ex, the translations. Expand on it for it us. It has to be very, very bad. Mm-hmm. You have to hurt your mother and father, bad things like that. Mm-hmm. But since you're bringing that up, slavery was not allowed. But when it says in the Ten Commandments, uh, honor your father and mother, that you may live long upon the land. Mm-hmm. The one That one has a blessing with it. Right. And the reason for that is, is that that is considered from the Hebrew idea, the Jewish idea, be about the hardest thing to do. But if you do the hardest one, you got a blessing. And the easiest one comes the up The hardest right. thing to do is honor your father yes. and mother? Oh. And the easiest one is wave your hand and send the mother bird away before you take the eggs from the nest so that you may live long upon the land. It has exactly the same reward. Okay. And the reason for that is the hardest and the easiest has the same reward. Just wave your hand and the mother bird goes mm-hmm. away and you take the eggs. Well, why the hardest and the easiest? Because you're not supposed to know which is worth 10 points and what's worth one. Well, you don't know. All you know is they're all equal as far as you know. So you're going to get the same blessing by doing the easiest one or doing the hardest one because it's not that God doesn't have some kind of uh, spectrum. It's that we don't know. Mm-hmm. All we know is it's supposed to be the hardest. The Jews could consider that as always the hardest, honoring your mother and father. Hmm. And indeed, and then sending the mother bird away is considered the easiest. So I guess yeah. just wave your hand. Well, I don't get the harder to do thing necessarily. Uh, well, I, I'll have to dwell on it a little bit more. There's one more that's going to cause even a greater heartache. Well, ready? let me stay with this one for a second. That's what I'm talking about. I'm going to explain why. About the mother and, yes. mother and father? Yes. Okay. Because... In a very real sense, your mother and father are your physical God. True. Because they provide you your shell, your body. So if you dishonor your mother and father who gave you your body, your, your physical God, mm-hmm. if you can talk of it in those terms, then you're also going to dishonor God. That's why that it's among the first commandments. Right. Okay. That, that, that makes sense to me. I guess that was kind of what I was going to say as well is that it seems strict, but father and mother are generally speaking for most of us. It wasn't in my case because I was orphaned and abandoned at birth and passed around and so on. But the general experience of human beings is that the father and mother represent. But you'd like the, your children to love you and your wife, right? Oh, sure, of okay. course. Well, but father, but father and mother represent the first authority that we bump into as human beings. I mean. At first, you're dependent, you know, and you're hugged, and so. But but sooner or later, you know, you're two year old, you're three year old, you're four year, and you have to. Although you love mommy and daddy, and they love you, and they hug you, not. But still, our little ego starts bumping into sooner or later. I've seen this with my grandchild now. It, it isn't too long before 
his little ego and his, grandpa, I want this. I want, you know, it's so that I, I think somehow that's related. These commandments, it's it goes to the purpose of these is that in each case that we would humble ourselves, that we would submit to the authority that God has put us over us and so on. And as we do that, we'll be more and more equipped and ready and willing to submit to God's ultimate authority, I guess, is the idea that as moms and dads, what we've tried to do with our children and now with our grandchildren and others is point them faithfully by being good parents and good grandparents, point them faithfully to to God, that he is he is actually our ultimate authority, that, and they will be able to yield, acknowledge him and yield to God. Uh, I like that picture. I've heard that preached a lot, you know, about the Ten Commandments well, and, uh, and that from particular the commandment. From point of view, there's five commandments mm-hmm. on each tablet. I know from many Christian points of view, there's four and six. Really? Oh, yes. I never have pictured how many were on each well, tablet, but okay. Well, standard Christian teaching, I think. Okay, yeah. But... Uh, the, from the Jewish point of view, it's five and five. That's why we have. Are you two, talking about some of them have to do with God with and some five of them... fingers on each one? I see. Was that like some of them had to do with God? Some of them had to do with our relationship yes. with men. Uh-huh. Okay. And some people say, "Well, honor your mother and father." That's that's uh, four. Is that the bridge? No. That in the Christian many Christian views, that's the bridge. Uh huh. I see. But um, that's actually number five. Uh huh. Uh, but. So actually, the fourth commandment is it's uh, name, idols, uh, I idols name, Sabbath, mother and father, mm-hmm. and that's how I memorize it. Mm-hmm. And then I then on the other tablet will be five the other five. So you actually can arrange those things. Now the Jews have it have the understanding it's five and five. The earlier ones do have to do with the relationship with with God Himself. And the later ones have to do with, uh, as it relates to other people. Is that the general the idea? Yes. And okay. in some, some modern Christian views, since it's mother and father, it seems to be a human being, they put that over on the other tablet, so they say the six. All right. Well, we have reached our goal. We've gotten through the Ten Commandments. Um, and now Moses starts, as I said, he starts to expand upon these ideas. Uh, giving a little more detail. If an ox gores a man or woman to death, the ox must be stoned. And goes on. I mean, you'll see more, more details here uh, in Exodus. Protection of, of uh, private property. There's a, definitely a recognition of private property. Actually, uh, the American tort system suing for recompense, mm-hmm. compensation, mm-hmm. is been buried in this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because when it says, if a man steals a sheep, you got to pay for it. If you steal it, you got to pay double. Mm-hmm. So the idea of punitive damages is also included. So it is the American yeah. courts. Yeah, a, a lot of this influenced our our founding fathers in the uh, in the in our court system and in some of the laws that we've established. the The right to, to private property that you uh, you are worthy you you know you deserve to be able to keep the fruit of your labor and your creativity and so on. All of these things are found. In a very practical and very real way, uh, they are principles from the scriptures. Our, our founding fathers were, and they actually cited the scriptures many times, even in the uh, in the uh, early documents, the early writings. They would give uh, chapter and verse where we're getting this principle out of the scriptures. So anything now? We it's I tell you, you got you got a good three or four or five minutes. You want to 
summarize anything? Anything we missed along the way? No, but um, the thing that's always remarkable to me is that uh, that <clears throat> that the Ten Commandments that we talked about mm-hmm. is the reestablishment by man. We get them from God, but now you're going to be reestablishing. You're going to build a tabernacle in the wilderness. The tabernacle is the like the equivalent to God building the creating the earth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's your job to do in Hebrew is called tikkun olam, rebuilding the earth. It's your job. You destroyed it with the ten plagues. Now you rebuild it. With, by obeying and following the Ten Commandments. That is correct, yes. All right. Three annual festivals right away. I've always thought it was cool that when God gives the uh, the uh, people the laws of God in the beginning, what we see here is now he's going to start a little nation building. He's going to rebuild them as a people. He's going to well, we passed give over. them an we identity. Passed over, but God actually says in what we passed over because of time. Mm-hmm. He says, look, and I'm now going to make sure I give you the lamb that absolutely I was promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he's reissuing that promise to the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. Now, the other people that's traveling with them are not any longer. Maybe physically, ethnically, mm-hmm. they might be Greeks or they might be Egyptians. They might have an accent when they, they talk. But, <laughs> but, but, but what we have is we have them now being part of Israel. They might be Hungarian. They might be Korean. But they are now part of Israel. Right, exactly. Good, 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 good word there. Um, So like I say, we've come to the end. We we see them now. The annual festivals are put in place. Uh, These special dates and time. Most of them are celebrations. They're not sad. Let me see. We've probably got just a minute. We don't have much time at all. Uh, let me see who it is. I think it's your friend. Jerry, are you with us? Uh, if you're there, Jerry. Uh, Jerry, are you with us? I can't hear Jerry. Let me see here. Created Jerry, all are you with us? We do not have much time at all. If you want to give some idea, just a brief idea that you have in mind. Yes, right. Okay, is Jesus created all things, and John 1, 1, Colossians 1, 1, and also it's uh, speaking of who God is, it says on his person and viewpoint of us and what he wants, what really touches his heart the most, it says in Deuteronomy five twenty nine. Oh, that there were a heart in them that they would fear me always and keep my commandments that it may be well with them and their children forever. Thank you, Jerry. Well said. And, and I would point out that what he just quoted, Deuteronomy 5.29, Sophie, yep. is one of the primary verses of proving that man has free will. Oh, that they'd keep my commandments. That's right. Okay. That's why we're... <laughs> All right. Remember, always be the kind of person you'd like to have for a parent. Got her done. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll, con- we'll continue through the book of Exodus uh, this coming week and go right on into Leviticus as well, I believe. So uh, hope you'll come with us next Sunday evening here on The Bible Live. And restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz Show. Show. 
Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.